1: Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system.
0: Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan.
1: The WFNY Cornercast brought to you by Evergreen Podcast Network and part of the Waiting for Next Year community. I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, and I am joined tonight by Farmer Ethan. Ethan, I know we had an off day for Cleveland. That's why we're recording tonight. But I know your attention was pulled away from uh, the Discord tonight uh, because of the Tanner uh, Bybee start in the minors in Columbus. Um, I, I feel as though you are more than likely the embodiment of the James McAvoy... Uh, fanning himself GIF from I don't remember what movie. I wanted to look it up and add it in my brain, and now I don't remember.
0: But I'll do you a couple better because, yes, I was excited to watch Tanner Bybee Pitch tonight. It was the game that I chose to watch. However, all four affiliate levels of the Cleveland Guardians started a member of my Top 30 Prospects list. Hey, So it know. was a big night all around. It's uh, called
1: It's called plugs, ladies and gentlemen. Those are teases right there. Just a little bit, yeah. Uh, Gavin
0: Williams has already raked in a win. Uh, Last time I looked, uh, it's still to be determined. The Clippers were up 15, and Bybee was out of the game after six, so uh, to be determined there. Uh, And I have not yet checked in. (laughs) I think you're safe. You never know. You never know. Uh, But I have not checked in on Trenton Denholm and Parker Messick in the low A and high A starts just yet, but it was a very big night for top prospect pitching in the Cleveland farm system.
1: That'll be your, uh, check your Twitter account in the morning for some of those ones, so undoubtedly. But, uh, yeah, it was a, it's a good day for the, uh, Guardians farm system and Farmer Ethan. And, uh. So yeah, we're we're really excited about this. The Tanner Bybee start was electric. I I I, I didn't watch any of it. I saw the stats that we all were posting and uh I had Taylor made me crappy gifts that I could post on Twitter, which is great. Um so yeah, check that out. Uh yeah, Zach, please, Zach just he Tanner Bybee's coming this is basically what you have to get ready for. So but if you are ready for cool things like the BreakingTea.com backslash WFNY Jose Slide shirt, uh, the game winner that he had, the game winning score he had this week was has already been immortalized on a t-shirt because the Cleveland t-shirt company uh, cannot be defeated. So go ahead and check that out. BreakingTea.com backslash WFNY. Get yourself your Jose slide shirt where he looks like he's doing the hit me like one of your french girls poses um or like i said you can also get the uh the land uh, name shirt i pointed as though i'm wearing it tonight for ethan on the camera i'm not i'm wearing my critical role shirt because it's also thursday um but uh but yeah so check that out check those things out again breakingtea.com backslash w f n y so, because it's just the two of us, and because the Guardians had a crappy end to their homestand, it is likely going to be a little bit of a shorter episode for us tonight, guys. Uh, Cleveland went two and one against Oakland, and then uh, went one and two against New York. Uh, they lost. They won the middle game, uh, lost the, the the Wednesday matinee in heartbreaking fashion as Ahmed Rosario struck out with the bases loaded. Uh, to end the game. Um, What were your feelings of this weekend's baseball? Um, Are you, I know the team is seven and six. It's, it's easy to be distraught uh, about this, uh, this team, but you know, there are, they have played aside from Oakland, they've played Seattle twice and New York. So the, the, the uh, value of team that they have placed the, power ranking of teams that they have, uh, have faced off against is pretty high. So how are you feeling about this this team coming out of this homestand?
0: There's certainly some little things that I'm frustrated by, but, you know, it, it's April. I'm nowhere near panic mode yet, but just thinking about a few tweaks, changes in game adjustments that could have been made that could have eked you out an extra win or two, right? Because aside from the 11-2 game, uh game two against the yankees they've all been one two three run games right so they've been competitive they've been hanging around but the entire theme for this homestand between seattle and new york was just the offense bailing out opposing starting pitching right it felt like they got to just about every pitcher that they faced that started Mm -hmm. right logan gilbert wasn't his sharpest his second time facing cleveland he was spiking everything but when Cleveland needed the hit to chase them out of the ball game and break it wide open, they couldn't get it. Same, the same thing kept happening right. the rest of that series, George Kirby, um, Marco Gonzalez. And then, you know, you, you do the same thing. You've got a not very sharp Domingo Herman game one against the Yankees who ends up being pulled out of the game after five, but they never got that hit that broke the game open and chased him. And you definitely were not going to find better success in the Yankee bullpen. You tagged Garrett Cole for two runs in the first, and then, the pitching on your end imploded and Garrett Cole with a lead is not a Garrett Cole you ever want to face. And, and, you know, you you saw it. They did get to Clark Schmidt early in in game three as well, but the bullpen couldn't hold on to it despite a great start from Peyton Battenfield and his major league debut. So it's, it's not the end of the world. They, They just stranded way too many base runners. They have yet to find that clutch hit when they need it most to really break a game open, right? Guys like Andres Jimenez are still doing just fine. Stephen Kwan, Miles Strahd doing just fine. But there's some key contributors in the heart of that lineup that just haven't found that clutch gene or even their stroke in general at all, looking at you, Josh Bell. I'm not overly worried about him either. He showed some signs of life in the tail end. He's get, I would say he's getting there. Yes, but specifically, like you know yeah. that that's your big free agent. No, you're action. not. You're not wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was hitting under 100 entering the weekend, so like yeah, I'm not worried about him long term. It just sucks right now. You really could have used a clutch hit from him at some point in the series to really break things open.
1: Yeah, I think to to not have any uh, almost any power from Jose yet. Um, not really having much of a uh, offense from Josh Bell. Josh Naylor seems to be struggling a little bit as well. Um you know uh, yeah you're the the there are guys that are hitting your your Kwan, your Jimenez, your Miles Straws, even Will Brennan is is doing some things, but um the offense just isn't hitting the way and and clicking the way that it has in the past. And then it has the ability to um, Ahmed is in his annual early slump, um, which sucks because, you know, you want to be able to win these games early and get the fans a little excited about it. But, uh, you know, he'll come around and we all know that he will, or at least hope that he will. And if, and if he doesn't, there's guys behind him that are ready in the minors that can come up and replace him. So, um, yeah, I'm, if I'm, I am not at panic mode yet. If I am about anything, it's the oddly enough, the starting pitching. Um, We saw Hunter Gaddis get rocked like last year um, against the Yankees, but obviously that's the Yankees. Um, Zach Blizak had some rockets hit off him and his start over the weekend, uh, but ended up throwing seven innings somehow. Not really sure how that happened, giving up only two runs. Um, Aaron Savale is on the IL, so you have to bring up Peyton battingfield who, while he pitched well, uh, it still is a Peyton battingfield start that you weren't really planning on having in April. Um, even Bieber, you know, had his, like, kind of semi-usual, like, start where it was a little rocky at the beginning and then he settled in. Um, so while I'm not necessarily, like I said, I'm not, I'm not hitting any panic button the same as you, but there are some things that are, um, starting to, uh, arise some suspicion, some, some warning that, uh, seems to be there because, uh, not only is the offense just not hitting just yet, the, the pitching just hasn't been there in the way that it has in the past, so. I uh, wanted to bring up some of the lineup stuff. If you have been on guardians, Twitter, hashtag guardians, Twitter at all, uh, you know that, uh, Ahmed Rosario has been staying in the two slot ahead of Jose Ramirez right behind Stephen Kwan. Um, Terry Francona got teased us all a little bit with Andres Jimenez hitting there, um, in the middle game against Garrett Cole. Um, they gave Ahmed a full day off, had, it uh, was Gabriel Arias, was that shortstop, right? Obviously, it's the only backup middle infielder. Um, but Ahmed ha- had a, a full day off. They moved Andres up to second. And as you said, that was where they got to an early run, early lead. Steve Guan got a hit. Um, Andres and then Jose got, got the the ball moving a little bit, so. It is, I, I don't, we don't want to sit here and harp on it because, again, it's April. This happens every year with Ahmed. Um, but Andre moving all the way up to fifth in the lineup is a good thing. Um, do you see any kind of sign that Terry Francona might end up moving Jimenez above Jose up and do that, that top third of the lineup in any kind of a regular fashion or no?
0: At this point, like, there's no excuse not to, just because the the differences in their performances right now, right? We we talk about it a lot that largely lineup construction does not matter, but in this instance with Ahmed Rosario versus Andres Jimenez, I argue that it does significantly. Right, you, You've constructed your lineup so that you have a pseudo-leadoff guy batting ninth in Miles Straw, who, if he finds a way to get on base, draws a lot of walks, like that Enfield singles, great. He sets up the top of the order. Stephen Kwan, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez get the ball rolling. Ahmed is an over 50% career ground ball guy. He's a rally killer. He grounds into a ton of double plays to the point where it's like, it's been brutal to watch early this season, right? Some of those extra inning games against Seattle where they walked Kwan to get out a med and did exactly what you would expect to in that situation. It's just hard to watch. So I think Andres is A, a better fit for the two spot, and B, don't understand the logic of being able to slide Josh Bell down to sixth to quote-unquote take the pressure off of him, the words from Terry Francona keeping Ahmed in the two spot and just watching him fail over and over and over. That is my harping on the topic. It's been said enough, but this is the one time that I would argue that lineup construction does matter in that sense. You could say the, put your best hitters at the top of the order, whatever you want, all you want. But when it comes down to it, Andres is your clutch guy. He gets hits when you need him most. And if this is how you're going to construct your lineup where Andres is basically the three, then he needs to be in the two hole.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the point of, you know, Ahmed will hit, let Ahmed cook kind of a thing, you know, or get right. Um, I did, I made a point to say this. I did the legwork on, um, you know, I put this in our discord, which is as Ethan just did a drink moment. Um, and totaled up the number of starts that he had all over the lineup. He was last year at the beginning of the year, he was as over the lineup as anybody I've seen on opening day. He hit second. Um, he hit second seven more times before May 20th. Um, in that stretch, he hit uh, fourth once he hit fifth 16 times six in the sixth spot two times and then the seventh spot three times once may 20th he hit second and then never moved down the rest of the year unless he was a pinch hitter with a day off um he never they never moved him they didn't start him down move him up and then move him back down he he started like I said, opening day, and then basically bounced around in the lineup until it kind of made sense for him to move up. Um, I don't see why you can't do those kinds of things now, because as, I, as I've mentioned before, you don't have the balance. You have a balance schedule, so you don't have the ability to beat up on Detroit and Kansas City and the, the bottom of your division the way that you have in the past. So these games matter a little bit more because you do have to face the harder teams in the NL, the more, the more of the teams in the AL East. And, you know, we always played them at least once or twice um, a season, but you, you're going to get more of those games and, and fewer of your divisional games. So it's, it's harder to give up a game against New York where, you know, you have Ahmed that's, He's just not there yet. And I don't know if it's a weather thing for him or a mental thing. If he needs, you know, some time to just get there, they did it last year. So it's not something that they, you know, well, he was second last year and that's what he did well at. And he's just going to stay there. No, he's moved all around last year. Let's move him all around.
0: And- but
1: just let him, just let him get right. So that way we can move on from this and get to the point where, you know, Andres can hit fifth, and it makes the lineup long. It makes the lineup better.
0: And and to be fair to last year, right, there were a lot more moving pieces early in the year. Straw was not off to a great start. Nobody knew what Andres Jimenez was going to be. They weren't even starting him against lefties. Stephen Kwan was this new shiny toy. Is this real? Is it not? Right. So there was a lot going on and a lot that that team had to figure out on the fly. And they eventually cobbled it together to a division title. Not saying that it can't happen again this year, but there's a lot less moving cogs to it, right? You know, what guys are Jose Ramirez is Jose Ramirez. Straw has not cursed the Babbitt gods this year. It would seem Stephen Kwan is doing Stephen Kwan things at the top of the order. There are things that, you know, and after three parts of three seasons in the major leagues, now we know what Ahmed Rosario is and it's just not a two hole hitter. It doesn't matter what team he's on. We we just know this now. It is fact. So it's just playing the patient game. And are we as fans more patient or stubborn than Terry Francona's blind loyalty to his veterans? Right. That's, that's just all this comes down to is who budges first us or him.
1: Yeah. And, and to your point, and I, I didn't want to, we had, we had talked and said, we didn't want to get too much into this. And I've, I've already gone way more into it than I wanted to not to belabor the point, but the type of hitter that Ahmed is, and you've mentioned, you've said this, he just doesn't make a really good two hitter. He, it is not, it is not in his repertoire to be that guy that's hitting in front of Jose that's hitting behind a guy that's on base as much as Quan is. Um, so it's just it's just harder to to rationalize when he's not doing well. If he's there and he's hitting well, then great, just he's fine. But when it's when it's not happening, it's not happening. So let's move on. Uh, you were talking about moving parts and things that we know and things that we don't. Um, and if you had told me that coming into the season, Oscar Gonzalez was going to be theoretically benched, uh, that would be a thing that I did not know was going to happen. Um, It seems, I did not look at the start-sit stats here, but um, it really feels like Oscar Gonzalez and Gabe Arias are kind of on the outs with the team. Um, I don't know if that is, I, I know for Gonzalez, it might be a little bit of Brennan playing better. Arias, it just feels like there's not been any spot for him to play, which is what we which is what we knew. We knew this is going to happen where they were going to have um, a hard time fitting in those, those bench players, which is why Tyler Freeman is playing in Columbus and not sitting on the bench as well. Um, what do you feel about these two guys, uh, OG and Arias? Uh, do they need to be starting more games? Do they need to be pinch hitting in more games? Are they trade fodder at this point, or are they, you know, has, and that's to say like, Will Brennan is hitting well, you know, we can, we can chalk the win in, in the New York series almost solely up to Will Brennan. So it's not like they are benching, you know, they're not benching a, a Oscar for somebody
0: who's not doing well,
1: but um what are you, what are you thinking here?
0: Uh, Oscar's case is exactly that. It's a case of what Will Brennan's doing and what Oscar Gonzalez is not doing. Right. You have Will Brennan, who's contributing. I think he's hitting above the 260 mark now after he's gotten a handful of starts in over the past week. Um, Some absolutely clutch hits in the ninth inning and extra innings of that win against the Yankees. He's played some nice defense out there. He's made some really nice throws, a couple of outfield assists, or maybe an outfield assist. Uh, Everything's blurring together for me, Gerbs. But, you know, we know what Oscar is, and it's your prototypical power hitter, but just freak of nature bat to ball skills that just do not seem to be present right now and i was listening in on some other people and have kept tabs on the stats since i heard it but now in all of oscar's plate appearances which i think he's in the 30-ish range now so far this year he's only been in the ahead in the count eight or nine times which is where he made his money last year right was getting ahead and forcing guys to throw him a pitch that he could smoke He's not known for drawing walks. He prefers to put the ball in play. You know, better pitchers still got him to chase something out of the zone, even in a hitter's count. But if you had a guy out there who didn't have the best stuff, a 2-0 fastball was going to go for a double off of OG's bat. He just has not been able to work himself into those situations at all to start the season, and it just became a matter of, well, we have this guy we really believe in on the bench. We're going to give him every opportunity to take this job right now. And, and that's purely what it is between Brennan and OG. The Aries situation is... Um, frankly, I find this one bizarre, right? This roster is tailor-made with Arias being able to play the entire infield, right? First through third. Right. And with three catchers on the roster, this team is built so that if he doesn't start, then depending on matchups late in game, you, you sub him in for Josh Naylor if he's playing first base to get right. a righty-lefty matchup. You... Take a Mabry's Valoria, or a Cam Gallagher start out to put Arias out there for a pinch hit or a pinch run in a situation where it calls for it, right? there, There is every opportunity that Arias should be getting into games, but there were several opportunities, even in this homestand, especially late in games, eighth, ninth, extra innings, that it was absolutely obvious, even subbing him in for a Met Rosario when he's struggling late in these games, because what's the worst that happens? The rookie strikes out, right? Right. you. It's just been a weird thing. And it. I, I don't want to say it feels like he's in the doghouse, but it feels like the team may have already made up their mind on him, and they're just kind of waiting for the Rosario situation to either work or call up Ropio. Now, I, I have no feel. Like, that's just purely gut. There, there's nothing right. indicating towards that. But it's it's so weird, after watching this team navigate 17 rookies last year, they've only had two debuts so far this year, and the way they designed this roster was designed so that Arius would get those plate appearances, those reps, the right. occasional start when you need to DH Jose, and it's largely just not happening. So I've had the questions of, why are we even doing the three-catcher experiment? He did start for a med and shortstop on the lone day off that he got, but... It just feels like he's not being used enough in situations where it makes sense to give him the opportunity. And when he's been out there, he hasn't been bad. He's played fine defense. He's got one of the team's five lone home runs on the year, right? Six so, now. Six now. I'm sorry. I did not factor in a meds. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where why is he even on the roster? Why are you not giving this right. 22 year old kid playing time?
1: Yeah. That's the that's uh, Arias is the hard one. Like he's like we've been saying, and it, because you, he is like chalk built for being a pinch hit bat late in games, or a, at the worst, it's a you know a day off plug in something like that. You know, like those kinds of things, or that's uh, uh, honestly at best. But um, yeah, to to just see him not be utilized at all, um, and to see. God love him, Josh Naylor, flounder against left-handed pitching late in games. There's no reason for that to be happening at this point in this system, uh, the way that they have it set up. So, um, yeah, I, it, it is It is weird. It is bizarre the way that they have been utilizing. And we are, this is, we should have said, this is very picking nits at this point in time. This is like Cleveland, Cleveland baseball podcast just like looking at, how often somebody's playing and saying this seems weird, but um, yeah. Right. And, and,
0: and to go full circle, like when I said at the beginning, you know, there's some things that I'm minorly frustrated by, but it's April. I'm not panicking. Right. Like these are the things that right. we're talking about. Like you have the ability to put yourself in a more beneficial situation than you have so far. You right. could argue that they may have been able to, you know, be two games better. Right. They're seven and six right now. I would argue they could be nine and four if they made a couple of changes here and there. If you got the right set, if you got the outcome, obviously, right? Like, yeah, putting areas in for Naylor in some of these late games where they've thrown a lefty out there, I would argue that raises your chance of winning that game. So, you know, it's not a perfect world. And like Group said, we're we're just fans. These are just things we notice. We pay attention to the numbers. Those guys in the dugout obviously have much more advanced metrics than we have the ability to get our hands on. They know more than we do, but it's hard to you know, not ignore it when it's not working.
1: Right. For sure. So one bit of injury news, uh, we got dropped in. We don't need to talk about it for much because we don't really know any more than that. But uh, Tristan McKenzie is uh, progressing to a throwing program. Uh, Imaging is looking good. Check-ins are doing well. So um, it is, he did get moved to the 60 day uh, IL um, as a procedural move for, uh, Peyton Battingfield getting moved up um, to the 40 man and the Guardians roster. But um, so it looks, I think it now requires him to be back in June as opposed to May, which was, there was seem, seemingly hope. But um, everything seems to be going well for Tristan and we hope to see him back. Uh, did I men- mess up anything there on Tristan? Do you remember seeing anything?
0: Nope. Uh, I do remember that they said that he was feeling really good, and even before he was reevaluated, he was already throwing the weighted ball around. So it's nice. it's definitely a good sign. But the the team's always been like this. They're always very cautious with their young arms. They treated Tristan this exact same way when he was coming up through the system. So right. nothing new to him. Nothing to panic about. It just means an extra two or so weeks onto that time before we get to see him rocking the Guardians uniform again Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Uh,
1: No, hopefully it's not too much longer, but, you know, we we will wait. And uh, in the meantime, we might be seeing some of these other pitchers or players that we will talk about since we are into uh, Mm -hmm. Farmer Ethan's Almanac. That's right. Uh, as Ethan had mentioned, uh, this is a very prospect-heavy list. Uh, and with Tyler ba- Bybee's start tonight, start tonight, um, he has uh, a, a, some stuff you want to talk about. Uh, what do you? What have you been seeing on the farm here that has been doing well? Uh, I know we had mentioned uh, Bybee, but what do you, do you want to get into him? Do you want to get into Bo or uh, Brian Rocchio?
0: i will get into all three of them cavalry is on the way for this cleveland guardians roster but i will also mention i did see out in the twitterverse earlier today that we are potentially only a week away from george valera returning to triple a columbus from injury so possibly even more reinforcements on the horizon i want to throw that one out there but this triple a roster has been killing it these first couple of series of the the minor league season Tanner Bybee's made two starts. He's been absolutely electric. Uh, In in his first one, just absolutely dominant. One walk allowed. uh, The issue was that his velo started to fade on him late in the game. They put him back out there for the sixth, around the 70-ish pitch mark. And he'd been holding pretty steadily 96-97 to the entire game, and it dipped to about 92-93. And he ended up giving up a pair of hits in the sixth inning before getting pulled. But tonight, against the Worc- Worcester Woo Socks, say that five Ooh. times fast, uh, he, was, he was downright nasty. Six innings, one hit, two walks, eight strikeouts. Both walks were on four pitches each, and he was mad himself on the mound, which I love to see from a young pitcher. Velocity held the entire way through the game. He had a couple of fastballs touch 94 in the sixth inning, his last inning of work, but he ended up getting a guy upwards of 98 to strike out in the fifth not that long ago. Slider is working. The curveball is filthy. I want everyone to start calling him Hammer Bybee. That 12-6 is not getting enough love. He had one sequence in particular tonight that Justin Lotta highlighted that I watched live, and I my jaw was on the ground the entire time. Nick Sogard, hitter for the Worcester Wussocks, stepped up to the plate and watched the last guy strike out on 99-mile-an-hour gas. And he was sitting fastball the entire time. Bybee threw him a curveball and three straight changeups, And he struck out looking. His stuff is so good that he doesn't even have to throw you the fastball. And the changeup is arguably his least effective, as I air-quote pitch but he has four major league ready offerings at this point there isn't much left for Bybee left to prove it's just a matter of when is the team willing to start the clock and i think we're not far away i've been saying mid-may for a little while now you want to get him stretched out obviously you want him to be able to go up and get you six innings even as a rookie the pedigree on him is that he should be able to do that, but he needs to be stretched out. He needs that velocity to hold a little bit longer, but he's going to be fun for years to come. And I actually think I did him a disservice ranking him fifth in my top 30. He should probably be a few spots higher watching him early this year.
1: Yeah. He is easily one of the best pitching prospects, I think out there right now. Um, and the be. To be throwing that hard um, and still getting as much movement as he does is,
0: is, is great and the, the amazing. in the command he he can yeah. paint some corners with all of those pitches. Yeah, uh, the the
1: the crappy gift that I had Taylor make for me was uh, Zach, please act as uh, Sam Wilson and then Tyler, Tanner Bybee being the Captain America on your left. <laughs> So it is, it is happening. It is coming very soon. I'm sure that there is a, not necessarily really a please act spot, but you know, there's the Hunter Gaddis spot, the Peyton Badenfield spot right now. That is Zavale's, yeah. but also I mean, there there are spots that are coming up available for Bybee to shine and possibly Logan Allen ahead of him, maybe uh, just by pecking order or, or whatever. But uh it really Logan just out. comes
0: down to club preference at that point because neither guy's on the forty. So right. who do you want to do? And also
1: rotations rotation time, you know. I mean right. uh, do they do they call up Bybee if it's actually his day, you know, or do they make Logan wait and swap him around a little bit? You know, they're they're way ahead of all these things more than yeah. us, but you know. So um tell me about Bo Naylor. What has uh Ma Naylor's middle son been doing? Down in
0: Columbus. Bo's been impressing me behind the dish. He's thrown out a couple of runners. He's doing a good job blocking. I just stepped on my cat. Um you'll have he's, that. He's off to a really good start at the plate, too. I know after today he's his average has dipped down to two twenty, but he he's hitting some baseballs pretty hard. He's got it and do a couple home runs, some doubles. Uh he's got more walks than strikeouts so far on this young season. Uh up until his last at-bat in this game in Worcester, actually he had not recorded an official at-bat. He had three walks, a sack fly, and three runs scored uh, until he popped out and fell territory at one point. So that, that that'll, that'll play. Do. Yeah, that'll uh, do. Yeah, you know, he's doing the, the bone nailer thing that we've come to expect, right? Like when he makes contact, it's an absolute rocket. Whether or not it falls is another story, but fantastic guy at the plate. He's laying off pitches. He's drawing walks. The strikeouts are hard to come by against him, so he's another one who's not far away. Whenever Cleveland decides to end the three-catcher experiment, whether it's Maybreeze, Valoria, or Cam Gallagher that gets the axe, Bo Naylor is not far off. I think he's going to be pretty ready, and I know there's a lot of people foaming at the mouth, champing at the bit, based on Zunino's blocking performance behind the dish. I still urge you all to pump the brakes. This is a man who missed most of a year to injury. He's learning a new staff that relies more on the breaking stuff in the off-speed than some of the staffs he's been a part of in the past. Right. You know, I, you can argue that he's a major league catcher and he should do blocking drills, yada, yada, yada. It will improve. He's not going to be this bad for the entire season. He just needs a little bit of time. But Bo will be there and ready to catch two times a week whenever Cleveland decides it's time for that. Yeah. Um, and who's to say that they
1: don't... that. Bo Naylor isn't one of the two, one of the three catchers, you know I mean? Like I, there is a, there is that Mitch has been pounding that drum for a while now that three catchers actually allows you to have a little bit more offense on the roster because you can pinch hit that guy, you know, like we said, Arias and later on in games, if there's a Cam Gallagher day, you can have, uh, maybe he's there or.
0: Need in to see in this
1: in this case, you have Bo, and then you have Arius, and then you have Gallagher, or something like that. Everybody just bumps down a slot.
0: I just um, need to see them actually you know, take advantage of that before right. I'm willing to say that they're going to carry the three-catcher experiment, but just because of how little they've taken advantage of it so far, I've just kind of written off that it's a long-term play for them this year.
1: Yeah, I think they want to get... Uh, truthfully, I think they want to get Zanino... Ready and that's why I think he's been pitching, he's been catching so many games, getting him more up to speed faster, which is fine. I'm okay with that. Extended Um, spring training for him, too. Right. Um, I'm not going to turn, I'm not going to say that I want to see more Cam Gallagher. I, you can't make me say that. I'm not, there's the, I'm not, you know, aching for more Mabry's Valoria. I'm sorry.
0: I know the club really likes apologies.
1: Apologies to Mr. Valoria and Mrs. Valoria and whoever might be listening, but uh, I'm not, I'm not over the moon about more Mabry's, you know, play time. Yeah.
0: I I know the club really likes him. They were happy to get him and that that's, that's fine. That's more than all right. But you know, he's one of those guys where we always have that debate of, if you have to cut ties with somebody on the 40 man, you know, name your three guys you think could slip through the cracks and, you know, end up back in the organization. I would argue that Lava and Valoria, two of the five catchers on the 40 man, uh, yep. would be in contention for that. So, you know, if they want to keep Valoria, that's fine. It's just, you got to start using that platoon the way it's intended, or I'm just right. not convinced that it's going to hang around. Right. For sure. Uh,
1: speaking of things being used before they, uh, go away. Um, Not that he's going away in time soon, but he, you know, he's always been rumored as a a trade uh, asset going out. Um, Brian Rocchio probably should be with the big club already over Ahmed Rosario, uh, at least how he's played thus far. Um, How has his uh, season looked in this short going as uh, down in Columbus? For one, Mr. Rocchio.
0: Well, at one point this evening, his batting average spiked all the way up to 391, if you're looking for a reason to be excited about O'Brien Rocchio. At 22 years old, he's one of the youngest players at his level. He is regarded as the best defensive middle and field prospect that the club has. And after tonight's action, in which he went three for five and drove in five runs is hitting 375 on the season. He's got, I think, six doubles, I want to say. A couple of stolen bases. He's driving in runs at an elite rate. Uh, Same amount of walks as strikeouts. He's putting some charges into the baseball. Um, He's up to six doubles. Uh, He's scored nine runs. He's got eight RBIs. uh, And he's stolen four backs. So he's doing exactly what i expect him to do and and then some uh, at 22 years old it's incredible what he's doing at a high level in triple a it's one of those things where already as a member of the 40-man roster he's got an easier path to forcing the club's hand to make a decision with him than almost any other prospect in his position it's uh and the exit velocities are up too man he he hit a double tonight that i think was almost 107 off the bat so He's starting to make really solid contact. I've said since I started doing the prospect reports in the offseason that he's a 2020 candidate. He's yet to go yard, but he's off to a great start in the stolen base department, which isn't uh, an overly recognized part of his game. I think it goes unheralded at times. But Rokio is quietly one of the best infield prospects in all of baseball, and I don't think he gets enough love. But he's he's going to be here this year, I think.
1: Yeah, I I'm excited to see what he brings to the table for Cleveland um, in the long run. Um, Because I I am of the mindset that Ahmed is not going to finish the season on the roster. Ooh, that's spicy. Um, I have said that I, or at least projected, predicted maybe, that uh, Ahmed is dealt as well as uh, dealt out to get long-term while some prospects are dealt for this year. Uh, one of those kind of deals where they, you know, fill in with a guy that they have going uh, as, as a free agent. And then they s- supplant, you know, their system with, uh, because they're trading away guys. Um, that's just something I think could happen. Um, but uh, it may not. Who knows? Um, but I do I do think, I, I agree with you that I think Rokio will be up by before the year is over. Um, and even more before, you know, the cup of coffee kind of a thing at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm um, thinking just after
0: star break if I had to.
1: I was, was going to say July. I could see July or August um, yeah. being a, a time where Rokio is, is up and doing things. Um, I'm not a sports
0: gambler, but if I had to stake some money on it, I'd be pretty comfortable with that.
1: Yeah yeah that's uh, part that's about where i'm at with it as well so um all right well yeah that's uh that's much the, the guys that i want to talk to you or ask you about on the uh the farmers ethan farmer ethan's almanac wow my brain is not i've this is my second podcast tonight guys so i apologize that uh
0: things are just not clicking as much as i want them to you've so, completely but, changed sports too you just comp- you pulled a complete 180
1: Oh yeah, I went. Ca- I had, I was on the. Uh, I hosted the Cavs Cast, and then I came here to do the Corner Cast. So yeah, we're we're doing we're doing things here at WFNY. Just so, all the
0: C casts.
1: The C the C What would be the What would be the Browns one if we made it a C cast? I don't uh, know. No center comment. cast. Center cast. There we go. We did it. We figured it out. Sure. Uh, all right, let's finish up and get me out of here. Uh, what is next for Cleveland? They are heading to Washington. They are going to be playing the Nationals for a three-game series over the weekend. Cal Quantrill, uh, Zach Plezak and Shane Bieber will be your starters. They are going to face Trevor Williams, Chad Cool, and Patrick Corbin, who I think was possibly the worst pitcher last year. I think that's how that
0: uh It's been more than just last year.
1: I, I think I, I think last year, though, he was, like, legitimately the worst
0: pitcher. One of the worst in several major, like, yeah. r- record-breaking bad. Yes.
1: Right. Uh, but, yeah, so it'll be – and then they go to Detroit after that and before coming home to face uh, Miami and, I think, uh, Colorado. So uh, might see an old friend there uh, the weekend after that uh, in Nolan Jones. But um, – this weekend, like I said, Washington and Detroit, uh, these are two teams that are near the bottoms of uh, the, the dregs of Major League Baseball at this point. Um, just rebuilding rosters that haven't really had a chance to get their feet under them yet or have misfired on their rebuilds. Um, case in point, I think uh, Detroit benched Javi Baez today. Um, I did
0: say
1: that. I uh, He was... Not running out some plays or having some miscues, and AJ Hinch, who shouldn't be managing at all, uh, decided that Javi Baez was not going to be playing anymore today. So we'll see what this uh, what this brings, what this portends. Uh, maybe Baez could be playing uh, in Cleveland or for Cleveland or not enough for Cleveland against Cleveland. Um, he's not playing. I don't, I don't
0: think. I don't think we want. I don't, him want, him I don't want him in Cleveland.
1: No. I don't want him in Cleveland. That's not a thing that we want um again it's it's late i'm tired and i've talked entirely too many times today so uh but yeah washington this weekend uh get ready it is there's a late game friday night and then four o'clock and one o'clock uh saturday and sunday respectively so it'll be they're getting that that uh matinee saturday in before the Cavs game so that's nice for us cleveland fans we get to go from one sport to the other so yeah um but uh, for Farmer Ethan, for myself, for the CornerCast, for two podcasts in one night, uh, this is Joe Gerbs Gerberry signing off. Be safe and be loved. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy.